Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Episode 274, Tripping the Field with Ian Jaded. Now, Ian is an author who just released his own book, Tripping the Field, an existential crisis of ungodly proportions. And there, his character, Professor Michael Huxley, and that professor's best friend, Eden Jessup, they go in adventures all over the country. It touches on uh, philosophy, physics, hallucinogens, addiction, and religion. It's an interesting novel, and it, we're going to touch on some of the things he talks about in that novel, his inspirations today, uh, including a lot of what I'm interested in, lucid dreaming and paranormal experiences like that. Ian, welcome to see you on the other side. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah. happy to be here. Yeah. Whenever it comes to uh, lucid dreaming, you're usually going to catch me on that because I am a fan from way back. Um, since I was a little kid, I think I read about lucid dreaming in Omni magazine. Oh, okay. All right. And so that's, uh, I was trying to make it happen and control my dreams. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about this in, in episode two of the podcast where we discuss lucid dreaming because I had a a major problem with nightmares as a child. And I I figured that the best way to control those nightmares is to control the dreams, realize you're in there and then, you know, change the kind of outcome there. So just to get everybody started, uh, what is your weirdo origin story? Uh, All right. So I started lucid dreaming spontaneously. Uh, I did not use any sort of tricks and or anything like this. Uh, I'm now 47 years old. This happened to me right around after I graduated high school. So this is many years ago before, before really the internet was a thing. So I had never really heard terms like lucid dreaming. And uh, so this started just happening to me all on its own. I was, I had no knowledge of this practice and apparently now now that I've been studying this for years and years of course these this dates back for thousands and thousands of years with shamanism buddhism uh, all many different religions practice some type of lucid dreaming but let me let me first explain very clearly uh before I, we go into this conversation what sure lucid dreaming is uh because so many people get confused they say oh lucid dreaming yeah cuz i had a really intense dream once and it was really realistic uh, that that does not qualify when we are talking about capital L, capital D, lucid dreaming. When we say lucid dreaming, we're talking that you become fully aware of the fact that you are dreaming while the dream is taking place. You are, there is no doubt, there is no, and I'm going to be specific here, there is no narrative going on anymore. You don't believe any storyline. You know, your dreams, dreams get pretty weird, right? I mean, my my dreams particularly. Oh yeah. Everyone. uh, I've got weird dreams myself. I was just talking to my father who's, uh, you know, kind of a Zen master outside of Chicago. And uh, maybe I picked up some of this from him. I'm not sure, but uh, he's, he's also now kind of getting into some of these, these fields. But uh, this happened to me spontaneously where I just suddenly became fully aware in the middle of a dream that, oh my gosh, this is absolutely not real. I I know I'm asleep. I know it's about 6.30 in the morning or so. I could even kind of tell what position my body was laying in. And I, and 
at that time, when you go into REM, your body goes into what's called sleep paralysis. Uh, people, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of discussions about sleep paralysis that can become, it's an, it's a, a hurdle that some people have to get in, kind of get over when they're practicing. Yeah, we've talked things. about, we, we've yeah. talked about sleep paralysis a good deal because, oh, yeah, um, you know, one. the demons of sleep paralysis when you oh. wake up and, and I discussed, I had my own experience while I was reading the book Communion by Whitley Strieber. Um, I had a sleep paralysis moment where yeah. uh, where I thought I was being abducted, and then it's I woke terrifying. up ten seconds later, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm actually I actually had the experience that he did." Right, it's it's terrifying, uh, and you know what? I've had it now hundreds and hundreds of times. So I and I would say that I'm still it still freaks me out when it happens. And really, what's happening is let me be clear: sleep paralysis is something that the bot. This is a natural thing. I mean, your body. Does not you don't want to act out your dreams, right? So your your muscles kind of go into this type of paralysis. There's actually a chemical that your body releases so that you are not flailing around, moving around when you're when you're in REM sleep, right? But when you become lucid, you sometimes become very aware that your body is in this state, and you and you become very aware that you can't really move anything and that your mind will flip out that's what you know that's the that's where the 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 horror comes in but again most of the time 99% of the time you're you go into sleep paralysis and then you go into a dream state and you, you basically you buy uh you become attached to a storyline whatever that crazy storyline might be and for whatever reason, the, uh, you know, some people say lucid dreaming is weird. Well, I say that regular dreams are weird because how how weird is it that you suddenly find yourself in some crazy scenario and you never doubt it for a second? We never stop and go, well, this doesn't make any sense. I, you know, I, I'm not this character. I'm not dealing with, you know, whatever these crazy supernatural things that are going on or whatever might be happening in the storyline. Well, I tell you, one time I, I had a dream where, um, and this is this is just goes to the fact that the things that happen in your dreams are comp- like you just go along with it seemingly. Yeah, like I had do. a dream that my mother had died and that my father had remarried B. Arthur, <laughs> <laughs> and, nice. I, and I just was like, okay, I guess B. Arthur's my mom now, and and that was it. And you're just going along with it, and like we don't know B. Arthur. Right. Like she's sure. just someone that I saw. Just crazy. And she's just Maud or whatever. And then now she's, and now she's in my house. And it's those little things like that that are really unusual. So what I wanted to see about you, Ian, is before you had this experience, you said, you mentioned that your father uh, was a Zen master. <laughs> is, is this uh, something that, um, you know, have you been open to these kind of things, these kind of experiences? Uh, you, you know, like you said, this happened right after high school. Like, right. what kind of high school kid were you? Were you? Because right. when I was in high school, that's when I was going to see if a place was haunted, or we were breaking <sighs> sure. into old places and things like that to see if we could have a, a paranormal experience. Was that something you were into, or absolutely was it a, okay? Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was always fascinated. Ever since I was a very small, I was fascinated with ghosts and the idea of the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot. I would read anything that I could on these subjects. I was fascinated with these subjects, but now that I see it in a larger perspective, it makes sense. So I think what we're getting at is, is there a kind of mindset that is more attuned to lucid dreaming? Uh, First of all, I'll say that I think that this is something that anyone can 
can pick up. I don't think that anybody's magic. I'm not, you know, there's nothing that is in your DNA, so to speak. But I do think that if you have a genuine curiosity, if your mind is set to these things, and I'll, and I'll be more specific about what that means, uh, then you are going to be more open to these to these experiences. When yeah, I was I've always been an artist, uh, and I'm an artist now. We'll we'll give you my website to all my all my work and whatnot. I work with a lot of abstract stuff. I write a lot of abstract stuff. So yeah, my I've always been I've always been the weird kid who's always you know thinking outside the box. So definitely it it there, there's definitely a thing. But what I'm saying is. For people who I think are fascinated with this subject, like if you're if you're listening to this podcast, there's already something about you that you're curious. You have a there's something that you're drawn to. And what I would suggest is is that what you're drawn to is liberation from the narrative that you've been indoctrinated in with. Uh, you, you have been sold a storyline on some level about how things are. And I can, you know, and that takes place on many different levels for people individually, culturally, religiously, philosophically, I, you know, you go on and on. But we're talking about some of us are more fascinated with breaking outside of the the context that we've been told is right. You know, you have a you, for whatever reason, have a fascination with these things, and you're looking for, there's obviously something about you, for example, that knows. I know that there's something more than the storyline I've been sold. And so the reason that that connects to lucid dreaming is because that's the mentality that it takes. You need the mentality of, I don't believe the storyline that I'm being sold. And what happens is, is if you can bring that awareness into your nightlife, then there's a point where you go, you are able to stop and say, wait a minute, none of this makes sense. Like you said, B. Arthur is not someone I know, and it occurs to you that nothing is right. So now here's my suggestion. Once you even suspect, if you get to a point and we can get to, we'll, we'll talk about some techniques about how you can get to this point. Yeah, it sounds but good. If you, yeah, but once you, if you can get to a, even a subtle sensation of, you know, none of this is right. I feel that the storyline's not right. None of this is correct. I'm going to give you a trick. And if you can get to this, it's the simplest thing that you could ever do, but it might take you months or even years of practice. And that is, if you suspect you're dreaming, lift your hand in front of your face and stare at it. Yes, it's that simple. If you can do that, it will be mind-blowing to you. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, All right. Well, I want to hear about it. I've never heard this <laughs> trick before. Yeah. I always did the trick where like, you, look at a, you look at a clock, sure. and then you look away and look back at the clock. And if the time's yep. different, you dream. Sure. Or you read yep. something, look away and yep. look back again. You're like, oh, hey, it's different now because the words just don't change on the page in regular exactly. life. You're dreaming. So all of that's true. And, uh, and the reason I don't mention those specifics is because uh, I've been in now thousands of lucid dreams. And you know what? The problem is, is that sometimes you don't, that sometimes there's not clocks around you. Sometimes there's not words around you. That's sometimes true. there's, sometimes there are not. But here's the thing. The reason I say your hand is because for some reason, this seems to be universal, at least to everyone who ha was born with hands and they, they manipulate your hands are the main 
tool that you use to manipulate your world. So for some reason, your hands are always going to be there in some form. They might not look like your hands, but that's the whole, that's what we're actually getting to. Lift your hand in front of your face and just hold your attention to it. And here's a universe, another universal that seems to be true for everyone I've ever read, everyone I've spoken to, everyone I've talked to online and whatnot uh, for years and years. Your hand will be there, but if you stare at it, if you stare at any object in a lucid or in a dream long enough, if you hold your attention to it, it will shift, like you just said. Uh, you know, you look at a clock and you look back at it; it's going to be different. You look at some numbers; it's going to something's not going to be right when you look back at it, because there's a fluidity that uh, there's a sort of a chaos, if you will, in dream states, and we have to learn a certain level of. Uh, you have to be disciplined to stay focused in those realms. So lift your hand in front of your face. What will happen after you hold your attention to your hand after a few moments, it will shapeshift in some fashion. You will suddenly find that you have more fingers. Uh, your skin might change colors. Uh, your, your hand might turn invisible. When that I'm, happens... What I'm, what I'm picturing is the American Werewolf in London. Huh, he's, sta- yeah, right? yeah. he's staring at his head right, and his right. hands one turning into the paw like that's that's all i can think about when you say that now that's going to happen to me tonight it might and and what i'll tell you is absolutely it's going to freak you out a little bit but beyond that's part of the trick of getting over this there's a lot of fear that you have to get past because suddenly your mind once you see your hand your own hand shapeshift you are now you there's not a shadow of a doubt in your consciousness that you you know that you're dreaming. You 100% know that you're dreaming now. There's not like a, a subtle sense of, you know, none of this is right. I don't know B. Arthur. I don't know. You don't know these people, you know, yeah, or whatever. Uh, now you're 100% clear. And now you have a tool. You have a tool because you can now look at your hand and now you can look away. What I would suggest is then look away. If you can hold the dream state longer, now look away. Maybe look at your other hand or some other object in your dream. Now hold your attention to that for a few moments. And once again, it's going to shift in some way. Did you ever have the problem where you're um, like, once you realize you're dreaming, you start waking up? Yeah. Uh, you get kicked out is kind of what I, is what I call it. You start getting kicked out of your, your lucidity. Uh, and there's a lot of different explanations for it. I, I feel that it's... <sighs> It's such a fragile state that as soon as we get freaked out a little bit, it's like our our animal instincts kick in a bit. You start getting an adrenaline rush of like, whoa, this is not right. I, I may be in danger. Something is not going on here. You know, chaos freaks us the heck out, right? I mean, it freaks us out. So you start getting a little bit... Of, off balance. And uh, unfortunately, to really maintain a lucid state, you, you got to maintain that cool as a cat sort of Buddha-like mentality where it just, you're, you let it slide off of you. And the more experience you have with this sort of stuff, it will. I mean, you'll start getting used to this fact of like, oh, there goes my hand again. It's doing that twisty thing or it's freaking out. So, but you know, you start, you start using these tools and you start focusing on some of the objects and what you'll find is long, you'll be able to hold your attention longer and longer where things will not shapeshift as long, you know, you'll be able to hold your attention and things will kind of stay solid if that makes sense. And 
then it's playtime. I mean, then once you've kind of got a solid, a solid focus in your dream state, well, then you have a full access to anything that your mind can dream up. And uh, yeah, then it's playtime. <laughs> then- well, one thing I'm interested in is um, a couple things here. Number one, how long after that first lucid dream? Because uh, a lot of people will speak, you know, will experience spontaneous lucidity, and then they will, you know, it won't happen again for a couple of years, or you know, it happens a few times in their life. Like, is it is it something that you were like, okay, I did this. This is really cool. Um, I liked being in control in the dream state, mm-hmm. uh, and now I want to do it again, and yeah. now I'm going to figure out how to do it again. And that's actually part of the problem, which actually keeps people from lucid dreaming once you know the mind wants to attack every new adventure as if it's something that's taking place in our world and in our world in our daily world you know if you want to learn how to uh jet ski or if you want to learn how to you know do some skill you have to practice and there's all these steps there's step one there's step two there's step three unfortunately what we're talking about with this is almost the opposite of that you have to I'm going to sound like Yoda here for a second. You have to unlearn that narrative that you've been handed. It takes it takes the ability to for you to go I you have to foster a mentality that you are not accepting the storyline that you are being handed and there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. So you think conspiracy theorists are great lucid dreamers? <laughs> Ooh, they could be, yeah, but again, conspiracy theorists are also jumping from one narrative sometimes into another narrative that is sometimes equally as implausible. So that's the only thing sure. I would I would say to that. Just because that you've broken away from one narrative doesn't mean that you're not just going to suddenly attach yourself to another one. I mean, essentially, that is what's happening in our normal dream states. You're going from your daily life storyline, falling asleep, and then you're going into some, you're buying some other new storyline and going, oh yeah, you know, aliens are chasing me. That seems reasonable. So it's not just about breaking away from a narrative and then jumping to another one. It's about being able to be comfortable with there not being a storyline that you're immersed in. And there are practices, that, but they get they're they're abstract that you know they're a little bit esoteric but there are things to do one of the things i would suggest is number one is that you and your listeners in many ways are already doing it you're 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 curious about this topic mm-hmm. for whatever reason you want to immerse your mind into this i into this kind of thinking that i'm talking about and uh and that's kind of what inspired me to write this book. The book that I wrote, Tripping the Field, is not an autobiography. In fact, it's pure nonsensical science fiction fantasy. But what the book does is that it it the more the longer you read the book, it starts immersing you into this new way of thinking about the world. And that's what you that's what's helpful. Listening to podcasts like this, talking about these subjects. I found that once I started lucid dreaming, what kept me lucid dreaming was my thirst for more, my thirst for, okay, now I want to understand this. And I started studying it. I started reading about it and my, my head was immersed in these ideas all the time. So when I did fall asleep, you know, there was a part of me that's going, oh, look at your hand, you know, like find an object that you can stare at, you know, and I started doing these practices and it just snowballed from there. And I, you know, it just, it started coming very naturally. Do you find that when you lucid dream, do you find that it says, um, 
restful as regular sleep kind of thing? Because before you mentioned something about chaos. <laughs> yeah. And you said, and, and that really, you know, a lot of dreaming is like chaotic neurons firing and things like that. And, and it seems like your body needs to have that kind of brain reset every night. Or, you know, we go crazy, the plaque that develops in our brains when we don't get enough sleep. And I'm a guy that I used to work at a TV station at four o'clock in the morning mm. and I still play my band and I'd go out and just like sometimes go direct to work. And I spent like two and a half years being tired all of the time. And I yeah. can tell you, it made me stupider, yep. um, which is, and I didn't have that far to go. Um, but, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, um, you know, do you find the same amount of sleep? Do you think that like trying to control your dreams almost uh, does it negate the restful aspect at all? For me, it did after a while, but I was kind of thrown into the fire when, when my lucid dreams started, it's like they wouldn't stop. These would go on every night almost. And sometimes these things would go on for hours on end. And I was still sleeping. I was still going into, you know what they say is that it's not, it's not just about the, the REM state. It's also, there's a point before that where you just seem to go into total blackness, total emptiness, where there really is not thinking going on. And that is, I'd say that is very important. That's ex that's extremely important. Per yeah, the probably delta or more, whatever. Well, yeah, what I, I think it's it might be. Uh, yeah, I don't know my waves exactly. I have messed with binaural beats and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But yeah, I believe that is. I think that's. I think you're right that you need to go into those uh, those delta waves for at least a few moments or whatnot. But you can also induce that through meditation. Now, I didn't know anything about meditation when I started lucid dreaming. I was not meditating. I was just lucid dreaming almost every night and yes it definitely wore on me after a while i was feeling like you're saying like man i am feeling nuts and not only was i feeling nuts and edgy i was also starting i was also taking in so much information because each each experience asked a new level of questions about reality i mean each time I would go into these states, it started forcing me to go, okay, well, what does that mean? All right, so that's that's another thing that I can click off my list that I, I, the world doesn't work the way I thought it did. Uh, and I can give you lots well, yeah, of let's examples. Yeah, let's get an example. Like, cause yeah, let's is, talk about some weird stuff. Yeah. We've, well, we've <laughs> talked about lucid dreaming in the podcast before. We've discussed the different things you can do, the flying, the, the creative sure. aspect, the conquering problems, and, right. and those kind of things. And right. that's something we all expect. It's like... Um, yep. The idea of what we can do in our dreams, like what would happen if you had a couple extra hours to work or to sit through things or to fantasize or to, you know, to let your mind wander into new realms and let it go. That's something that doesn't even seem paranormal to me. That just seems like it's a, it's a skill that it, it we is. have to develop over time and that, that, that we don't, like you said, the current narrative doesn't put a lot of value towards, so we don't work on it. Um, right. But what... You know, when was the first time you had an experience inside of your dreams that you're like, hold on a second, this doesn't jive with what I thought was even possible? Exactly. So for most of my lucid dreaming, I started to suspect that some of these places I was going to actually existed in the present moment, uh, either on Earth or somewhere else. I am not going to answer that question about multiple dimensions. I don't have those answers. I think that uh, if we 
you want to get into theoretical physics, uh, there's a, there's some good there's some good basis for that. But specifically, what started happening is that I started being able to in my loose in my lucidity, I'd start finding people I knew, like my mother, like, hey, what's my, what? let's go see what my mother's doing. I would know that, and, and again, I was very, I'd was i be very aware of what was actually going on in the real world. I'm like, yeah, I know it's probably around 7 a.m., somewhere around there. I, you can sense it. You know how you can always kind of like get in, have an idea about what time it is. Well, that's the same thing that, you know, in your, in your lucid dreams, you're as awake and aware as you are right now. So I'd go find a friend of mine and, and I just sort of say, oh, what are they doing? And they might be, uh, in reality, hundreds of miles away. Okay. So for example, uh, this one girl I was dating, uh, I want, I wanted to go see what she was doing and I found her, uh, uh, she was on her couch with an Afghan over her watching television. And, you know, I, I turn, I, I can see the clock on the wall. I'm like, okay, it's about seven 30 in the morning. And I, and I take a look at the television and I'm seeing this, this cartoonish, like dog, this orange dog. That's kind of like talking and whatnot. And I'm like, like, what am I, what am I seeing? I, I've seen this image before, but it was kind of distorted and everything. So, uh, so she was watching so Marmaduke. She was watching Scooby Doo, is what okay. I found out later. And <laughs> and so when I called her later, again, I, I'm I'm not the religious type. I I come from a fairly athe I would say an atheistic sort of mentality. I I don't care for the the woo woo sort of explanations. I don't think they really do us any good. I I like to I want to know exactly what's going on. Like what what what's happening as as far you know as much as we can. So I would call people after I'd wake up. You know, I'd call my mom and go and ma you need to tell me exactly blow by blow. What were you doing at this time of the morning and walk me through it. And so what would start happening is that they would start describing exactly like in the most terrifying detail of, of of exactly what I saw. And this happened so many times that after a while, I'm like, okay, this isn't coincidence anymore. I, I, it's irresponsible to call it coincidence because I had so many details after a while built up, dozens upon dozens of, I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on with people I know. I'm able to I'm able to at least prove it to myself, if nothing else. I mean, of course, I can never prove it to them. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I saw. Like, yeah, sure. I'm like, well, that's, right. you know, whatever that's good for. So, I think that to some people at first they go, Ooh, that sounds, that sounds exciting. And I'm not saying it wasn't exciting, but when your context that you have been dealing with and you've been told this idea that, you know, your consciousness stays inside your body, you know, that that's right. part of the, that's part of our basic idea of what logic is. You know, that's, that's how, that's part of our definition of being rational that, well, whatever consciousness is, and we don't really know what it is. It's something that stays inside of you. And then maybe some people have an idea like, well, when you die, maybe it, maybe it takes off somewhere else. Well, I was having to then face the fact that, okay, I'm going to sleep at night and whatever my consciousness is, is able to leave the bounds of my body. Again, whatever that means. And I didn't have those answers either. Well, that's, well, that's a, that's a heavy gig, man. <laughs> I know. That's right. That's all of a sudden, well, that, that kind of idea that the astral travel aspect of it, yes, yes. that you are now 
able to lead an out-of-body experience. But the thing is, did it feel like an out-of-body experience in the dream? Because people that have out-of-body experiences, they talk about the feeling of leaving the body, the, the, you know, like the, the vibrating sensation mm-hmm. when they leave the body, yeah. and then the cord that you know attaches to their physical body, and they can see their physical body. Or were you just going to where that person was, and it felt like you were going to where that person was? In some cases, yes. Uh, what I started uh, realizing is that the more that I, I became aware of these experiences, I, that yes, I was able to really sense when my consciousness was leaving my body. Uh, and it actually felt like, it felt like I was as if there was something inside of you and I was peeling, it was like I was peeling clothing off that was wet and heavy i you know but it was my body uh, for lack of a better way to describe it it's like and that's how it, it would always feel to me as if i was kind of like peeling something off of me and then i was sort of free and i i now the, all these ideas of well first there's a vibrational state and then you you know you sense this and then you can see your body and then there's the silver cord a lot of this comes from you know, there's been a lot of dogma that has been built up around these ideas, and uh, I I'm not a huge fan of dogma. I, I personally, I've looked I've looked around in these states. I've never seen a silver a silver cord or any sort of like uh, actual line connecting me. But I see that more as a metaphor. When I have been woken up, like my physical body has been woken up in the middle of these states, and I can feel a pull as if I am being yanked by a cord. All right. But I don't see anything like that. And yeah, we can talk about vibrational states. Sometimes you sense those, sometimes you don't, but sometimes I would just suddenly find myself outside of my body and going, I, you know, this is more real than somehow my daily life. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like reality takes on a new level of reality. So yeah. So, so sometimes all of those things we're talking about happens, but I, I guess what I'm saying is don't get too hung up on all of this stuff that you hear or you read. Like, well, I've got, I mean, I've got, I have people on these groups on Facebook and Twitter, like coming to me all the time. Like, well, how do I get to the vibrational state? How do I get to, how do I get to this? How do I spy on my girlfriend? You know, at night, you know, they have all these <laughs> ideas about what they can do. And they're, they're coming at this from a, a, you know, not necessarily the right attitude. You have to have the attitude of, I'm going to, I'm, I'm willing to step outside of my narrative. I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone. And that's what it all, it all comes back to. And then go see for yourself. Go, you, you go, you know, answer those questions for yourself. I, I hear so many stories about, have you heard about the Akashic rec- records? Have you heard about this theory? Oh yeah. Heard well, that, the Akashic whole, records. Yeah. Right. That's the whole idea that there's someplace in a different dimension or on a different right. plane that has the entire history of the universe, of whatever on it. Right. And it's and got, a, peop- it's got yeah. a file on you. Yeah. It's like a giant Google or something. And I, and I can't tell how many people say, well, well, I want to go there. I want to look up some sort of history. Like it's like they're going to some search engine and it's like, and, and it, again, this is these words that we're using, they, they, they turn into dogma and people start taking this a little bit too literally. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people's brains might take this information that you have access to in those states and your brain may 
picture a sort of library, a celestial sort of amazing library with a million levels and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm saying don't get too caught up in these in these definitions and then try to match your experience to what other how the way other people have described them. My whole thing is always go have your own experience. Go find this stuff out for yourself. Don't worry about all of those all of these stories you've been told because again that's another narrative that you're being sold it's another storyline and the whole idea of lucid dreaming to begin with is to break away from those storylines to break out of them and question them and go well what's real what what do i think is actually correct well you made me think there for a second like when people are going to visit the uh Akashic records or whatever yeah um yeah. it made me think about uh yeah i just i watched an episode of sherlock the other night that the bbc uh, sherlock with i love uh, it i love Benedict that show Cumberbatch and martin freeman and his mind palace right that's and that's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what i meant when you thought of like people going sure. to the occasion it's like going to sherlock's mind palace or yeah. uh there's a version of a uh, dream catcher uh stephen king's dream catcher yep um yep and the movies, yes, the, the, yes. Books, the book's really cool. The movie's not great, but that's be, like they tried to get inside the mind of one of the characters, you know, and, and have it representative of these things attacking him inside his mind. And it, that's a really hard yeah. thing to represent visually for a, like a filmmaker. Um, it is. But, uh, and especially, I mean, Lawrence Kasdan is a great movie maker, but like he didn't have it on that one. And hmm. but when we're talking about these different things, you know, it, it's true. It, it feels like people need to have some kind of physical or regular thing they can relate it to, at least when they discuss exactly. it with other people. Because when you, the kind of experiences you're talking about, and in lucid dreaming, um, the, the, the lucid dreaming experiences I've had, um, when you try to explain it to somebody else, it's, it's like Frank Zappa's quote, where he said, writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Like, oh, they're, they're, yeah. they're so... F- you know, they're fundamentally different forms of communication and they're fundamentally different forms of experience. So when you're trying to use one kind of form of communication to describe one kind of experience that is exclusive, like you have to, you know, it's, it's one of those things like you got to be there guys uh, to yep. kind of feel it. So I feel when people describe these things like the Akashic records, or they talk about these different states they're in, like the vibrational state and everything, it's just because they, they need to explain it in a written or an oral way uh, to, Absolutely. to communicate it. And it seems to be one of those things where once you feel it, you get it, but it, you have to yeah. be there to, to kind of get it. You do. And that's my, that's always my whole gig with any of these talks that I do is it, it's always coming back to, I'm, I'm not interested in uh, having creating a bunch of people who are experts at all these definitions. And yes, these definitions and these words that we use, uh, they are, they are helpful, but we just have to always remember that, you know, these are metaphor. We are dealing with a real abstract realm here. We are not dealing with the physical realm. Uh, none of our words directly apply. And so we kind of do end up speaking in a lot of metaphor. It's a historical problem. I mean, every saint, sage, shaman throughout history has always kind of spoken in metaphor, right? I mean, that's, and and there's a reason for that because it's hard to talk about this stuff. You know, we're limited by our, again, we're limited by uh, the words that we use and all of our words are symbols for this realm that we live in, which is why- Right. So, and that's exactly why I keep coming back to you have to get away from that. You have to detach from that storyline, that narrative. And the first narrative that you have to detach from is your own. The, the one that is running 
constantly. I think that's the number one narrative that you have to get away from is the one that, that is running right now. And by that, I'm not trying to be abstract or vague or anything like that. I'll be, I'll be as clear as I can. Everyone who's listening to this right now, everyone who's, you know, sitting, doing whatever you're at, on one level, you are listening to this podcast, all right? But there's also a context that your brain is putting this in. And the larger context is along the lines of, well, you know, I woke up this morning, I was at work, yada, yada, or I'm in the car now, and then now I'm listening to this podcast, and later, you know, I'm going to have to make dinner, or I'm going to have to write some bills, and there's that money thing, and there's also, the, oh, that's, there's that other, that one relationship problem I'm dealing with, yada, yada, and then I'm, you know, I'm going to try to get to bed around, you know, at a good hour, 11, there's this whole storyline that we keep quietly running in the background. Now, I'm not saying that that storyline is fake. No, I'm not saying any particular uh, detail is is false. But the question is, is can you put that storyline down for a moment? Are you, is the storyline leading you or are you leading it? Are you the one really in control? And if you are in control, then you can stop talking to yourself about it for a moment. And that is something that our culture is not good at. Silence is not something we are good at. We are just, we will do everything in our power to, to distract ourselves from quiet. You know, anytime there's just an empty space, we immediately pick up our phones. Now we are immediately tapping into perhaps another narrative on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. It's another story. We're we're always attaching to another storyline, but if we can detach from our own storyline, that's when we can start waking up, you can start waking up in your own dreams and going, okay, I'm not buying this anymore. And you don't, you find a space where you wake up and go, oh, this is all garbage. I'm totally asleep right now. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's, it's yeah. what, what I like about this is that, um, you know, first, first that idea that it's connecting lucid dreaming to, um, you know, creating your own reality and that's in a way, yeah. that seems to be you know we've uh, talked with Dr. Dean Radin about his real magic book. We've talked with Gary Lockman about his various books on uh, magic and uh, people that have you know co- that are researching into consciousness. And it's that idea that you are recreating your beliefs um, yes. in reality. And through and lucid dreaming is a way that I didn't even thought of before um, because you have to recreate your belief every time you're in a lucid dream yes. because in the lucid dream you present it with something ridiculous like yes. like a different definition in the um, like laws or you know you have a sister that you never really had or you know you have a brand like I said a brand new family member all these kind of things that are like oh yeah this person's just been there my entire life and you accept it like it's exactly. always been there and yep. it, it's it's breaking that belief in the lucid dream um, you could also break that belief you know it, that can work to recreate your own beliefs in your regular life now I was wondering about the Absolutely. first time that you uh, like you, so you went through these things. You did some astral travel where you saw what people were doing. Did you ever use that for uh, anything, like for work or to spy on somebody? Did you like I'm going to try that? I'm going to try to do this um, to see if I can. Not that you can figure out lottery numbers, but you know something right. like that. Did you you know? But people would always say like, well, if I had a psychic power, if I was able right. to do this, I would walk into the Pentagon, you know, walk into the Pentagon and see their UFO files. Like, yeah, <laughs> did you ever try right. to do anything you, like you that? You think, you know, you, you think that that would be something that, that would be real simple. Right. Uh, but again, 
that's a it's almost a catch-22 and I'll tell you why on one hand what you're doing is taking this this value system that you have in your waking life of what is important to you of like you know what I want I want this for for me I want money or I want to see what this person is doing or I want to spy on this person or I want to go to the people have asked me well why don't you go to the dark side of the moon and, and you know and 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 again I've seen I've been to all kinds of crazy places but you know, when you're in that state, again, you are outside of your daily narrative again. And so it's like all of those things that seem to matter to you, immediately you realize none of that ultimately matters. All of those ridiculous questions that you ask, you're on a whole new level at that point. You start realizing, oh my God, I am actually somehow surrounded by pure consciousness and the the possibilities are so much larger than seeing what's going on at area 51 uh, that sounds crazy if you have if you don't have direct experience with these realms but once you start truly tapping into these realms they're so much larger than your petty concerns about what's going on in your life all of that stuff starts falling away so yes but at the same time i will say that there are some people who are I've talked to so many people who are absolutely able to direct these things and go, you know, I am going to go find out what's going on at this particular location. And they've had incredible results with that. I I am personally, you know, once I'm in that state, I don't care about any of the same things that I cared about, you know, three hours ago when I was awake, you know, it's like, it all just falls off because you have to drop. It's like, you have to drop all your narrative first. And then you're saying, well, you know, it's like either you pull your narrative into the dream or you don't. And, you know, it's like you have to drop all of it if you're going to wake up to begin with. So like I'm saying, does that make sense? It's like yeah. this catch 22 sort of spot. You're like, well, you can have all the power in the universe as long as you don't care that you have all the power in the universe. I mean, it's kind of, it's hard to describe, but that's kind of the state that I'm always finding myself in. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's easy to stand outside of it and go, well, why don't you like, well, you go into that state and then you, you answer that question for yourself is all I sure. can say. To see, you're not going to care. To see how you would feel um, right. when, you're, when you're in that, like you said, surrounded by pure consciousness. You know, one thing I'm wondering about is that have you ever had uh, a shared dream experience or met somebody while you were uh, traveling that was also like occupying the same kind of space and maybe in the same kind of incorporeal being? Um <sighs> You know, you know what I mean. Like, right. Uh, right. you like there was somebody else traveling with you, and you recognized them. So, so, yes and no, but I I've never been able to. I've ne- I've come across all sorts of entities. In fact, this used to trip me up so much when I first started lucid dreaming. I would find myself, for example. In one case, I was in a party where I became totally lucid and I was at this this giant party in this huge condominium and there was probably like 30 people or so. Okay. So I wake up, I become fully lucid. I don't know any of these people, but once you become lucid, my first question was, well, now, who are these people? Like, are they a part of my subconscious i mean but the you know they're and they're all mingling with each other and talking with each other just like uh, just like what would happen in any other normal party in your waking life there's conversations going on people are talking about things and then i would start engaging people in conversations right and i would start going well 
who are you? What's going on? What, what's going on from your perspective? And, uh, you know, I would get into these very strange conversations where I started realizing these, I don't know what's going to come out of this person's mouth. And, you know, and that's weird because, well, then if I don't know what this person's going to say next, who's writing this scene? Right. Cause you know a, what I'm lot, saying? a lot of times in a dream, like, I'm, I'm with you that even though yeah. like kind of when you know you're dreaming and you're talking to somebody, you expect something to happen and then it does, or you expect right. someone to say something and then it does. So right. you having a premonition of someone talking because it's your head that is doing the work when it comes to creating the story. So if, yeah. if all of a sudden you're talking to someone and you have no idea what they're going to say, or it comes out completely uh, foreign to maybe something right. you would have thought, um, then, you know, where is that coming from? And the, and this was the question that I kept banging my head against for, you know, for hundreds of times. Uh, and and in, some t- in some points, I would even, you know, start hollering at them, you know, when I was younger, like, and I would tell them, but, but you're not real. And they would fire back at me like, well, you're not real from my perspective. And that would always stop me in my tracks because I'd be like, well, that's a... That, that's an interesting position to take because I can't argue that, you know, like, cause maybe it is, I don't know. But to get back to your original question, I think you're asking, have I ever been able to communicate with some, someone on that soul level or whatever you want to talk, talk, you know, whatever you want to call it yeah. and then come back to my waking state, give that person a call, right. And go, Hey, did we just talk about, you know, uh, you know, that football game and you know, well, we were, dr- I've never had that. It's never happened. I've never had that experience. I've had, I've talked to, hundreds of people who claim that they have had those experiences. I personally have not, so I don't know what to make of it. All I can tell you is that from my experience, I have certainly come come across characters in my dream that some of them did not appear human. Some of them were animals. Some of them appeared quite alien. And sometimes these people were more intelligent than I was, which always that that would throw me for a loop too. I, I, I got into a conversation one time with a couple of astrophysicists and I had to go look up their information later and go, my God, this, this is accurate. And I don't, I don't remember ever learning this. So uh, you know, but I've there's been people who have claimed that they have learned entire foreign languages in their lucid dreams. I mean, there, we are, there's so many stories like this. Uh, you know, uh, all I know is that we are clearly tapping into a another level of consciousness that we are not that we don't seem to have access to in our normal waking life. But I don't. I don't have all those answers. I don't know what all that means. I, you know, I want other people to experience this and you know figure that out for themselves. Like what you know, what do you find to be true? I don't know. Well, I do want to get to tips for everybody on how they can start lucid dreaming. But before we get to that, though, I think it's you know fascinating. What you said, you talked to a couple of astrophysicists that had information that you did not think you had access to. Uh, You you saw some things. You you had an experience of seeing your girlfriend there watching Scooby Doo when she was watching Scooby Doo, and you could have no idea about that. Um, Exactly. First of all. also, but when you watch Scooby Doo as an adult, it's just not the same. You're like, who wrote these jokes? Sure, uh, it's killing me. Because when I was six years old, like Scooby Doo's the best, and now I'm oh, like, yeah, wait a it. second, I was I as high as Shaggy. <laughs> um, so, but let's uh, go back. I want to. I'm interested in your weirdest experience 
Um, Oof, and, yeah. and lucid right, dreams. Sure. And the thing is, if you can't think of your weirdest one right now, oh, I got it. Okay. I got it off the top of my head. Then, Not a problem. Then that's, <laughs> that's what I'm interested in hearing because I want everybody to know the full range. The full range comes from being able to fly in your dreams to being able to see things, maybe to talking to people, having interesting conversations, confronting your problems, and then it also can be like your weirdest experience. So what was sure, that? absolutely. So. Well, uh, let me lead up to the weirdest experience, but all everything you had just mentioned, like, yeah, you can fly, you can do all sorts of things. Uh, you can, you can, anything you can think of. I mean, once you are fully aware, like, Hey, I'm dreaming, you, then, you know, all physics is off the table all of a sudden. I mean, you're, but you're still a little bit like Neo in the matrix because you're still a little bit, you know, we're domesticated to this realm that we've been living in for right. however long we've been living in. So we're a bit domesticated to it. And, uh, so there's still a little bit of, of a thing of like, wait, can I, can I walk on water? And so you may have to focus for a minute and kind of get past all of that storyline again that you've got built up in your head of like, well, no, because you know, the human body falls right through it. But you know, so you know, you kind of have to stop and, you know, recenter yourself and go, yeah, but none of that applies here. And then yes, you can go do anything. I have, you know, when I've been in arguments with these other characters in my dreams and I've tried to prove to them, like, look, I can do, this is my dream. I can do whatever. And I could, I can pick up, you know, an object and just immediately shape shift that object into whatever I, whatever I want it to. And it, you know, and it, it's amazing to be able to do that stuff. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trip and a half because you see it, you feel it, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to, you know, I can look at a glass table and I could take my hand and just like scoop up the glass as if it was like water or something. And then I can just think for a second and it'll re-solidify back in my hand in whatever shape I want it to be. I mean, that, I mean, it's amazing. And you, and what's weird is that you feel all of this. Right. And everything states, feels real. Is the, is you the, feel, is the cool thing yeah, about it. it's as real as real can get. Uh, yeah, you can fly, you can walk through walls. So the thing that... I actually stopped lucid dreaming for several years, and this was probably in my somewhere in my twenties because something happened that floored me to the point where I couldn't integrate it, and it kind of like I almost kind of felt like, man, I'm going to be in a padded room if I don't pull back and start really focusing on myself and maybe start grounding myself a bit more, maybe doing a bit more research. What happened was I was I I was. At the end of my college career, as I, as I recall, and I was back home for Christmas, as I remember, and I was sleeping, fell asleep. I was, I was, uh, well, you know, it was in the morning or whatnot, and my folks were home. I've got to be somewhere in my 20s at this point, maybe, maybe mid to late 20s. So I'm asleep. I go into a lucid state, and I kind of, I move past that sleep paralysis that we're talked about, and I kind of peel myself out of my body, and I... And then I'm kind of standing at the foot of my bed in my whatever you want to call it, your astral form. I, you know, I don't like to get hung up on those terms, but again, I'm using the terms that they gave me. Sure. So I'm standing at the foot of my bed, right in my astral form. While I'm doing that, I'm about to go, all right, I'm going to, you know, maybe just walk through the walls and go for a walk and just go see, you know, go exploring, see what, see what, see what's going on. Before I can do that, my mother is in the kitchen, like in reality, right? In reality, she's in the kitchen and she's she's making breakfast or whatever. She drops a bunch of frying pans, all right? This is a very loud noise, all that metal clanking and whatnot. So what happened is, is that now all of a sudden, part of me is standing at the foot of my bed, 
but then my physical body starts to wake up from this noise, and I open my eyes from my position in bed, and at the same time, my astral self, so to speak, kind of turns, and I'm able, and I start watching my physical body wake up. So I'm in this dual perspective where I saw this moment from two completely different points of view simultaneously. And now when I, so that freaked me out. I mean, it's the most, it's, it was freaky because when I say that I saw something from two different points of view, it's not like there was an overlap of like, you know, if you think of like a, the way they do in film, like there's a, there's an overlap of one image over another, right? Or, or, and it wasn't like a split screen, like, you know, my, I was seeing it from my waking or, you know, my sleeping body and one half of the, you know, one half. And then the other half was from my astral self. That's not what happened. What I'm saying is somehow it was two completely uh, fully realized realities, two fully realized perspectives that were happening at the same time. It, it, it broke my brain because on a, on a logical level, that doesn't even make sense. In fact, my guess is that there's not even really a way for you to picture what I just described. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm doing my best to describe it, right. but it, it doesn't really make sense to the, to your, to your brain. Your brain just goes, well, I'm trying to picture it and I can't, I don't know what you're saying. Right. Because saying, it's like two consciousnesses op- occupying the same. Exactly. Head. So as soon as that happened, it's like I've, I was kind of left staring at myself for a split second. And then immediately my, my astral self was sort of snapped back perhaps by that cord people talk about. Again, I know I've never seen a cord. Uh, I was snapped back into my physical body. And then I was, you know, then I was only in one, in one place, you know, just kind of, kind of sitting up in bed, kind of, you know, woken up from the, the, the sound of the pans, the pans falling in the kitchen. But, uh, but I was also deeply, deeply shaken because I, I knew at some level beyond that narrative that we're talking about. It's like, it's like that, that experience broke my narrative at a fundamental level where I'm like, all right, I don't know what, you know, everything seemed to be on the table at that point. Like, I don't even know what's real. I don't even know what's possible. And it, it scared me. I mean, it was like, I almost felt like I broke something at some fundamental level. You know, I'm like, oh my God, what's, what did I just do? You know, is that, and I, I didn't find out until, Later down the road, I started doing more research that, uh, you know, there have been shaman who, who uh, that, that was their goal in some of these practices to get to that point where they could experience two different perspectives at the same time. Like that was a well-known practice in some, in some traditions. But at the time, I, I had never read anything about this. It was nothing but, it was like, kind of like having your soul ripped in half. But yet, that was that. That's not what happened. There was, in reality, nothing terrible happened. It was just my fear. It was just my, you know, my my perspective of it. Like, oh my God, I broke something so at some fundamental level. I I ripped something apart. But uh, that's almost like a, a Lovecraftian horror, like huh. a, like a cosmic horror. Because yeah, it was, it's not something yeah. you're you know you're not scared of getting hurt. You're not scared no. of you know um, of something bad happening. You're just scared of something that's because you glimpsed something beyond your comprehension that was impossible because in those states i've been i've seen every 
horror you can imagine. And you can, like you've talked about, you know, having nightmares and whatnot, all sorts of things, or having some, you know, or you know, terrible, terrible things happen to you in, in dreams. And when you're in a lucid state, you know, you can start facing those things directly and start staring those things right in the eye and going, all right, what, what is, what is the nature of this monster that I keep thinking about or, or whatever. And so in my dreams, it's like, it's like, you know, after a while you get pretty used to, you know, like, all right, what can you throw at me? Like what terrible thing, what, you know, creature or horrible image, you know, it's like after a while you start getting numb, not numb, but it's like you get used to seeing crazy things happen. But that experience was like, well, that was a whole nother level. I felt like now we're talking about an existential kind of, you know, dread that I didn't even know was possible. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was, that, that scared me. That, and that I pulled back for uh, probably a couple of years where I was like, I, I had almost, almost no lucid dreams for about two years after that. Cause it just freaked me out so much. I mean, it was so disturbing. Well, I, I'm looking forward to that happening to me sometime. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't, right. You're right. Good. Like that's, Touching the face of God. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, for, but for the people who maybe have never had a lucid dream before, or yeah. every time that they've realized that they're dreaming, they wake up immediately. Um, we started with the tips of looking at your hand, uh, you know, tr- seeing something shift, realizing you're in a dream, questioning your reality. Am I dreaming? You know, is this real? Um, what, are, you know, what are some tips you have for people who want to jump into lucid dreaming and maybe take it from the level of uh, I was up, you know, I, I had two minutes and I could fly for a little bit to I want to explore more of that world inside or outside my head? Yeah, uh, you know. I'm going to keep coming back to the source of what what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting you need to consciously engage in as many experiences where you are taken out of your normal comfort zone, of your normal experience. And really what I'm saying is that below that even, I'm suggesting you have to find ways to drop the storyline that you've been handed. And now there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, I, I, I hate to use the, the word meditation because meditation means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And it's again, one of those subjects that is riddled with dogma. So one thing is I would suggest is that without using the word meditation, let me say this, take a few minutes each day where you just stop thinking about that that running dialogue in your head that that we were talking about that's the narrative that you need to get over take a few minutes and and uh even do a reality check i mean i would start with staring at your hands in your daily life some people even set they set alarms you know they'll set alarms for every like two three hours in uh on their phone or something so you know some little beep will go off and they'll just go okay i'm gonna stay i'm just gonna look at look at some object maybe i'll just bring my hand up i'll just look at it for a few moments and i'll just i'll deeply ask myself that question am am i dreaming is this real and just and don't assume that you have that answer try to try to ask that answer try to ask that question genuinely without going well i know i'm awake because that's what we always think we always think the storyline that we're we're stuck in is real and it's what hap- it's what's happening in our dreams so it's a matter of it, it's a practice. You have to start getting yourself used to these things throughout your day, and it, it, and it will eventually start seeping into your nightlife. Uh, like I said, just listening to podcasts like this, start reading books about the topic, start immersing yourself into these ideas, and your mind is going to start 
you know, it's going to start picking up on these ideas. But reality checks are a great thing. Did you ever see the movie Inception? Of course. Of course, right? So, you know, they had their little toys. And I like the idea that he had that little that little top that he used, you know, to try to figure out what was going on. But all I would say is that that's a great little thing to start doing throughout the day. You know, some little trick to just go, all right, let's see what this thing what this thing does in my reality. But like I said, in your dreams, you don't always have your, your little gadget, your little, uh, what, what do they call it? They had a word for them in uh, their, uh, their totem yes. or whatever. I forget what they called it in the, in the movie. But uh, you, it's not always present, but your hands are always present. So, you know, throughout the day, just look at your hands, you know, throughout the day and just, you know, stare at it and go, am I dreaming? You'll know because after a few moments, if your hands don't start doing something really weird, you can go, all right, I'm, I'm in my normal waking state. Just keep asking those questions. Keep asking those questions. And eventually, the idea is that you will ask that question in your dream at one point. You'll get to that point, and then and then everything will totally change from that point forward. Well, I, gar- I guarantee you. My sister, my sister used to have this thing called the Nova Dreamer, and it was like a little helmet she wore. Um, oh, yeah. And it would, at, at a certain point in the night, I mean, I don't know if it detected... Uh, REM sleep, or yeah, I think it's a pic- some can so, uh, the masks can pick up when you're lo- when you're in REM, yes. Yeah, and then it would flash little lights, like red lights, yes. there. And when the if you could see the lights in your dream, you would know that you're dreaming, and so that would push you, and uh, you would try to achieve lucidity. I love the idea. I've never used that those devices. I've I the the logic holds is the best that I can tell you. That that makes sense that 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 practice would work. I like I said these things came to me spontaneously, so I didn't have to work at it unfortunately, but the idea I would say from my perspective where I'm at now, that makes sense that that would work. One thing I think I talked about this in the podcast before, but one thing that I always heard it to once to get avoid getting kicked out of the dream is to start spinning around. Like imagine yourself spinning around Uh and that can sometimes, you know, it's almost like when you're going to barf and then you feel like the barf is coming up, but you, you know, you can, um, and I drink too much. So this has happened. Uh, but like, so then you're all of a sudden you're just like, okay, it's, and then you're all back down. Like you, you know, you can almost will it down. Um, that's how I feel the experience of like trying to override being kicked out of your dream is like when you feel sick, 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 you're like, it's almost there. And then, Oh, you're back down and you're safe for another couple of minutes. Um, and then you can start wandering around and exploring the dream. Is anything else you've done to try to keep yourself inside the dream? So personally, I've never tried the spinning thing. Uh, I've heard a lot. You're not the first person I've heard mention that. Uh, but uh, let me let me first of all let's be specific about what's actually happening when you're when you're about to be kicked out of a dream. You, I would say you're, what you're being overwhelmed with is you're specifically you're being overwhelmed with possibility. All right, and that is a it's like all of a sudden you have realized oh my god I'm in a realm where I'm God. And I can do anything. And your mind just goes, oh, you know, everything that you've ever wanted is suddenly, you know, accessible. And it's it's overwhelming. And you can almost feel uh, it's a rush of energy that that moves through you. Specifically, I'd say it's consciousness that's that's really increasing. And uh, you know, it takes it takes time to to be able to balance all of that out. Spinning, hey, that sounds great. If it works for you, it works for you. What I would do when I would start getting overwhelmed, I would immediately just sit down 
wherever I was, you know, uh, wherever I was in my dream state, I would sit down and I would just start breathing. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to just relax. I'm just going to breathe. I'm not going to think about, ooh, I can go do this and I can go fly here and I could experience this and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I would just sit down and just kind of, you know, take a time out basically is what sure. I would do. I, you know, it's like, it's like giving yourself a time out. Like, all right, sit down, just sit down. You know, it's like, sometimes we don't think about the simplest things like, you know, just breathe, just calm down. And, you know, and I, and that, that works for me wonderfully. I can maintain that, that awareness and that focus. And that's, you mentioned before meditation. Um, yep. I just finished the Ryan Holiday book, Stillness is the Key. When they talk about meditation, they talk about... Stillness is the key. You're right. <laughs> you, know, doing your, you, you do your best work um, when your mind is clear. And, you know, uh, and I find that when it comes to writing and things like that often, uh, it's the times either after everyone else has gone to bed or no one else is awake yet, where no one can email you and call you and <laughs> all that right. kind of things. So, you know what, Ian? I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. And yeah, me too. I was just wondering a little bit, what specifically, you know, you talked about in your Tripping the Field book, and it is a fictional book, yes. but, you know, what specifically from your own kind of experiences did you, you know, bring into that uh, when you were writing it, when you were trying to write a fictional book? Was it about mm -hmm. things that you believe in reality to be, or was it just you're trying to create characters who have that open-mindedness you need to explore these realms? Uh, so... You know, I, I wish I could have all those answers of where this storyline came from. I almost don't always, I don't even feel completely like tripping the field even came from me. I mean, that, that sucker just was, it had a momentum of its own. And, uh, but I will also say that absolutely it is, it, the whole book is about me through and through. I did not want to write an autobiography on, because I didn't feel like, you know, when you write an autobiography, you just it's like you start getting into this repetitive state of let me tell you about what crazy dreams I have. And well, what good does that really do anybody? What my interest was, I wanted to create a world that took place in the parameters that I'm talking about this idea of, well, what happens when you really start detaching from narrative from your storyline and how crazy can it get? And that's what tripping the field is all about. It, it kind of says, well, if you can detach from this narrative and wake up in your dreams, then how far can that go? Why is that connected to astral projection? Why is that? And why do we see these same themes come up through shamanism from the, for the last 50,000 years of, you know, of these strange practices, uh, religious practices, everything. I, so it's kind of, it's intended to kind of find a unified theory behind all of almost everything behind the paranormal and i'm trying i'm i was trying to attempt to describe th this through an adventure i mean it's and it is a ridiculous adventure that is not to be taken too seriously but there's also a lot of very real physics there's a lot of real wisdom in it and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of truth in it as, as well as what is what my readers say they're like you know wow i'm getting i'm learning so much out of this even though i know the story is not true but it's it's making me it's like people have told me this this book is breaking my brain i'm like that's what i wanted to do i wanted to get you out of your head i wanted you to read this and i wanted your head to hurt 
after a while. And that's so far, it sounds like I've been successful. That's the responses I'm getting. So people are like, like, this is, this is tripping me out, man. I'm like, well, that's the idea. I'm trying to, I'm trying to mess with your head so that you can get into this. Like I said, the book teaches you the more that you read, the more you can start anticipating, ah, now that I understand this concept, I bet that this character can now do this, right? And you start kind of anticipating how this world works. And it's my way of trying to submerge people into this new way of thinking. So... That's that's what that's what tripping the field is. I encourage if you guys enjoyed our conversation and some of these ideas, um, I definitely encourage you guys to check out uh, Ian's book, Tripping the Field. And obviously, we have a link directly to where you can buy it, and in the show notes, OtherSidePodcast.com/slash two seventy four is going to have a link right to Ian's site and the show notes. Now, if you guys want to go there right now. Uh, where can they find your information, Ian? You can go to ianjaded.com and that's going to connect you to everything. But if you also just type in tripping the field, uh, again, like you said, there's going to be uh, there, there's going to be tags and whatnot on your site and everything. Uh, tripping the field could be found on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble. We we always appreciate if you go directly to my publisher. I mean, you know, uh, the the owners of uh, Amazon do not need any more trillions of dollars. So I mean, you know, go go put your go put your money to you know if you if you buy it directly from the publisher you know more of the money goes goes to the people who actually created this kind of stuff so that's that's always my suggestion so my my publisher for this is it's called glad i press you'll be able to find that on my site and everything and uh yeah that's that that's the best thing i can suggest and we always suggest you guys support the artists and the uh yes. you know, the producers we have on the, on the podcast as much as possible indeed so uh, Ian, uh thanks very much for joining us Thank today you. if you guys have questions for Ian, especially our Patreon members. Anything specific you want him to answer, um, just make sure you send us the email at uh, show at com, or you can send us through our Patreon and we'll send a message on to Ian and uh, have him do follow-up questions for you. For the song this week, we were interested in how lucid dreaming can reframe what Ian Jaded calls the narrative. It's like that old cliche, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Anything is possible in your dreams. The physical limitations in our material universe don't exist there. Anything goes. There's a movie from the late 90s called Mumford, and there's one scene that I think about often. In the movie, a man is describing one of his erotic fantasies to his therapist. In the fantasy, the male character is a stunning example of romance novel cover machismo who easily woos beautiful women. But in real life, the guy is a total schlub. You think that the character, Henry Follett, has a totally delusional sense of himself until the doctor is thinking about it later, and she says this. In these fantasies, Henry Follett is played by a handsome guy with biceps. Can you imagine that, where your self-esteem has to be? Man, I'd just like to move the guy to the point where he gets to appear in his own fantasies. He wasn't even fantasizing about himself. His dreams weren't his own. Now, sometimes your narrative is so ingrained that you're not even the main character in it. That's when you have to reframe it. That's the idea behind this song, Dreams Belong. The world is ugly, the world is mean, we're drowning in cruelty, and there's only one place I can hide, where I feel
you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. It is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and that's the perfect opportunity for us to express our gratitude to you, the listener. Mike and I really put a lot into these episodes, and we appreciate that you take the time to listen to them. Now, I want to give an extra huge thank you to the supporters in our Patreon community. And those are the people that kick in a few bucks every month to keep the lights on and keep the show going. And more than that, I've got to say they are good friends. I had no idea when we started our Patreon community that we would be meeting people that we now consider to be really good friends that we're always happy to see. Only wish we lived closer so we could hang out more in person, but we do have our monthly Patreon hangout online where we can at least catch up and talk about all of our favorite paranormal and other topics. If you'd like to join that community, you can do that by visiting othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And an extra huge thanks goes out to our friend Ned. Gobble, gobble. Ned, you get an extra helping of pumpkin pie. Oh, I hope you like pumpkin pie this Thanksgiving because your Patreon level gets you this special shout out every week. And we certainly do appreciate you, Ned. And again, I just want to thank you for listening. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We're always happy to hear from everyone and have a wonderful week and enjoy the rest of your November. Was I as high as Shaggy?